Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta, Yerdena Osband, our daf of the day, Masachik Yudushin, daf Lamed Hay, page 35. So the same way that we had this question of how do we know what's the sourcing for the position that positive time-bound commandments are um, not incumbent upon women, that women are exempt from them. We have another question, a comparable question. What about all the mitzvot, the negative commandments, which are in fact incumbent upon everybody? So the Gemara asks here on Ahmed Aleph, I don't know, halfway through, maybe, how do we know, right, what is the source for the idea that all negative commandments are incumbent upon everybody? So Rabbi Yehuda says, Rav says, and likewise, the school of Rabbi Shmuel taught, meaning this is like everybody understood that this is the way the material, you know, this is what the halacha is going to be or needed to be. Because there's a verse in Bamidbar in Numbers chapter 5, where it says, when if, when, a man or a woman will commit any sin that a person could commit. We've got both men and women right there in the same verse. So it says, And therefore, we have this parallel um, comparison between men and women for any anything that is punished, right, that comes, that carries a punishment, and it's specifically the negative commandments that carry this kind of actual punishment, physical punishment, meaning there are plenty of positive commandments that you're obligated to do, but that's not quite, and and you don't get the benefit of having done them, let's say, if you don't do them. It's not quite the same thing as being punished, like with lashes, for example, if you don't fulfill the mitzvah. Um, The negative commandment means you're going to violate something that is prohibited, and then that's where the punishment kicks in. So now, I'm sorry, Devei Rabbi Lezer Tana, so Rabbi Lezer's school taught the following. So this is a different verse. This one's from Shemot, Exodus chapter 21, which says, you know, these are the rules, these are the statutes that are set before you, really set before them. So there's an, this, you know, also puts man and woman in parallel. And with regard to all of the judgments of the Torah, and likewise, there's another verse which the school of Chizkia taught. This is from um, Shmot, from Exodus chapter 21. It's the same chapter as the previous verse, where it, where it says explicitly, you put to death the man or the woman. And likewise, the verse, the Torah, equates the status of the man or the woman that, you know, either either way would be punishable by death. For any of the death sentences that would end up in the Torah. Meaning, when it comes to these negative commandment punishments, then the verses equate men and women. So we understand that men and women are going to be liable in the same way for in any kind of these for any of these kinds of violations. Now the Gemara goes on to say Vitsricha, we actually need each of these three verses because each one is going to add a new factor, namely Mishum Kapara So you might have thought, right, that if we'd only had the first case, then that then that would be about the Korban Asham. Right, a certain kind of punishment in Karbanot. But we would say that the Torah has pity on her for things like, you know, for lashes, let's say, or for 
other kind of monetary judgments or for the death sentences, right? Aval dinin ema ish devar matan in ishalo. You might think that the man has to abide by monetary judgments, but the woman herself might not have to. And the answer is no, no, she does. Of course she does. Vyash minan hamishum dechiyutahi aval kofer ema ish devar now. Um, on the top of Amabet, ish devar mitzvot in isha lo. And likewise, if we had only had the case of the monetary judgments, then we might think that that would apply to a woman because it's very specific with regard to a livelihood. But then we might think that if there is a payment, you know, when one's animal comes to kill another person and now you're liable for it, right? If it's your animal, you might think that it's only going to be the man because he's commanded in all of the mitzvot, but the woman, maybe she's exempt. And the answer is, no, no, she's not exempt at all. And likewise, you know, again, in this last one, we said that men or women are only going to be equal in the case of of having to pay that kind of ransom if an, if an animal has hurt, has caused harm, or has killed, really. Then you might say, well, that's just because there's a loss of life. So the Torah took mercy on her in other cases. So then the answer is no, no, because in all of these categories, we say a woman is in fact going to be equated to a man. Don't say that she can't be. Don't say that she shouldn't be. And therefore, we have all three, you know, all three sections to make sure that the women are just as the men are liable for violating negative commandments, whether time-bound or not, so too the women are liable, and in the exact same punishments that the men would be. Um, it again seems to be one of these things like, we already know that the women are going to be liable for these things, that's the premise of the Mishnah, but as I've said before, it's the Gemara's job to trace it back and make sure that there's you know, support for this in the biblical text to make sure that the verses are there to back it up and that it's actually necessary, that you can't, to, to prevent somebody from coming and making the argument that would exempt her from any of these things, the answer is, no, no, she's actually going to be liable um, for any, and, and actually the, I guess we would say, the mitzvot are incumbent upon her, right, to keep them the negative um, commandments, regardless of whether they are time-bound, which is a marked distinction from the mitzvah of Seishas Mangrama, which are, in fact, right, positive time-bound commandments. What impresses me about this whole section is, is that it's kind of intuitive that, of course, women should still be bound by a lotasa, but the Gemara is still going to go through trying to prove to you why that is the case, because just as much as it's important to say why m- women are exempt from mitzvah seisha as man grama, right, from time, why they are exempt from positive time-bound commandments, they need to prove it the other way as well. Um, and sort of similarly to this, we have a similar, uh, I think a very parallel passage on Ahmed Bet, uh, where we get to the discussion about the three prohibitions, the three lotases that women are exempt from. So in other words, we have, we say that women are exempt from mitzvah seisha as man grama, right, from t- positive time-bound commandments, Women do have to keep negative commandments, even if they're time bound, but yet there are three uh, negative commandments, three prohibitions that women are exempt uh, from, right? And and it's chutzmi bal takivu bal tashlit. It's uh, so the the Mishnah, uh, the three that the Mishnah talk about is not to round the corners of one head, not to destroy the corner of one's beard, and the third one is is that a uh, kohen, uh, a male kohen. 
uh, well, co- a female Kohen is exempt from the commandment not to become Tame on a corpse. So a female uh, a Bak Kohen can become Tame. So the Gemara basically wants to know how do they know this is true, right? Bishlam about right? They understand why a, a, a bad Kohen is exempt from the commandment uh, not to become tame for the dead, because the Pasuk that has that prohibition in Vayikra chapter 21, verse 1, says specifically, tell the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, B'nei Haron v'lo b'not Aaron. So it's clear it's only talking to the sons. El abal takiv abal tashchi menela. But where do we know that women are exempt from the commandment about, you know, cutting uh, the the those areas of their hair, uh, the rounding of their head and, and of their beard? Dichtiv, all right? And this says, this is now quoting a pasuk from Vayikra, chapter 19, verse 27. Right? Lo takufu pa'at roshecham v'lo tashchit epa'at ziknecha. You should not round the corners of your beards and you should not destroy the corner of your, sorry, the corner of your heads and you should not destroy the corner of your beard. Okay. Anyone who's included in the prohibition against destroying one's beard is also included in the prohibition against rounding the corners of one's head. And women, since they can't be included in the prohibition of destroying one's beard. Why? Uh, the Gemara is going to explain in a minute. So then they're also not included in the prohibition of rounding the corner of one's head, right? So in other words, because the two appear in the Pasuk together and women can't be included in the one about the beard, the Gemara will explain in a second. So they're obviously not included in the one about the rounding of the head. Now the Gemara is going to explain how do we know that they are not included in the prohibition of destroying a beard? Right, right. You could say it's logical. Because women don't have beards. And if you want, you could also say right that when that pasuk says, "Don't round the corner of the beards and don't destroy the corners, the, the corner of your heads and don't round the destroy the corner of your beard," I keep saying that too quickly in English. Um, that if they wanted to, you know, if they wanted to change it, it should have said the corner of your beard. It should have said it in plural, right? Meaning that they were addressing. Many people, but the fact that it says it in singular, so it teaches you your beard and not the beard of your wife. So even if a woman happened to grow a beard, it, it still wouldn't be included. And so then the Gemara, then uh, you know, so that so that seems to be a very interesting thing. So then the Gemara, uh, you know, shows that maybe there's a contradiction between uh, the Mishnah, right, um, and uh, between the Mishnah and Abraisa, right, Vilo. Wait, and is a woman not prohibited? Vahatanya, we learned in Abraisa, Zekain Isha Vahasaris She Ilu So the beards of a woman or of a Saris, a Saris is like a eunuch who grow facial hair. Harehain, well, it's a Saris is more, it's like a eunuch. It's somebody who we do not expect to sexual, a male who will not sexually mature. So therefore, if they get a beard, that's weird. So we're talking about. A woman with a beard or a man who we did not expect to grow facial hair grows it. They're considered like beards in all respects. So the question that becomes, my love lahashchata. Okay, so then that would mean a beard is a beard and they also should be included in the prohibition of destroying the beard. So the Gemara answers no. Amar lahashchata lo matzat amart. 
you cannot say that the brisa means to that they want to prohibit women from destroying her beard. To yell if peat peat mean bnei aharon, because a woman is exempt from this. It can be derived from a gezera sheva, right, for the sons of Aaron from the terms of the corner and the corner, okay? So in other words, it says in Vayikra chapter 19, verse 27, right, which we, we quoted, tashrit right, you shouldn't destroy the corner of your beard. And later on, it says specifically to Kohanim in chapter 21, verse 5, um, and it says that specifically to the B'nai Aharon, right? Um, it says specifically to the, to the sons. It says, do not, do not, uh, the corner of their beards, they shall not shave. So in other words, they do a Gezerah Sheva of Peat Peat. That sits in one category, the Peat, that only applies to B'nai Aharon. So in the other place where it says Peat is a general to all Jewish people, it can only refer to men. Malahala Nashim Petiro, just as there the women are exempt, meaning in the case of the Kohen in chapter 21 of Ayikra, Afkan Nashim Pitirot. So here also in the general one, uh, women should be exempt. Uh, now the Gemara is going to go on uh, with that again. These Savarlan, if we want to hold like this, as Abai says, that when it says the sons of Aaron, right, which remember was in chapter 21, verse 1, uh, it refers to, that was the prohibition about uh, only the B'nai Aaron, only the sons of Aaron, the men, the, the men Kohanim, not becoming Tame with a corpse, that we assume that the B'nai Aaron, it refers to every law that's in that section in Vayikra of chapter 21. Nishtu Kramine, let the verse remain silent, right, from stating the Gezerah Shava to exempt an ordinary, you know, to exempt a Jewish woman from the prohibition of destroying uh, her beard. In other words, what the, what what they're basically trying to say is is that you know it's not clear that you would need uh, that you would need a gezera shava, right? Because uh, a, a gezera shava can't the the it, it's not a good gezera shava is basically what they're saying because it, it, there's a problem that Abaye needs to use a gezera shava to prove. That a woman doesn't that a woman is not prohibited to shave her beard, right? Because the Gemara actually gave some other reasons already why she wouldn't have to. So why does Abaye like need this Gezerah Shava? Okay. And also, um, the Gemara also so has a little bit of understanding that you can't just make any Gezerah Shava you want. So the problem here is they don't really like Abaye's uh they don't like the Abaye's Gezerah Shava. Vitete Bakalvachomer. We really could learn it rather through a Kalva Homer. But Ana Amina, and therefore I would reason, Umako Hanim Shariba Behema Katub Mitzvot Yuterot. Just when we talk about the shaving prohibitions that come to Kohanim, right? And then the Torah adds, you know, other mitzvot to them. In other words, the Kohanim have many, many more, you know, have more commandments or prohibitions than another Jew, right? They can't marry a divorcee. Uh, you know, they can't contact Tuma. They can't t- contact Tuma from a dead body, right? B'nai Aaron, below B'not Aaron. In all those cases, it always refers to the sons of Aaron and not the daughters of Aaron. Yisrael Kol Shekain. So even more so, why would we assume that any prohibition that applies to Yisrael should also apply to a Bat Yisrael, right? It would just assume if the Kohanim, if those prohibitions are limited to the men, 
then the prohibitions for Yisrael should also just be limited to a man. And so the Gemara's point here is, it's not a good Gezeir Shavu because you can learn it through a Kal V'chomer, which I think also tells us something interesting from an exegetical point of view. Like there are sort of preferential ways to learn things. So the Gemara then answers, Elav Gezeir Shava. If it wasn't for this Gezeir Shava, Have Amina Hifsi Kanyan. I would have thought that the Torah interrupted the matter, right? Meaning that it would, the matter that was specific to Mel Kohanim by presenting a law that also applied to uh, to female Kohanim. So you actually need the Gezerah Shava to show that women are exempt from uh, these Kohanim prohibitions uh, against shaving that could have extended to the general public. Okay, so the Gemara is going to, uh, you know, is going to continue to discuss this. Um, but I think it's interesting, you know, I, I, I just like the idea that they understand that, you know, even in the times of the Gemara, that there were women who had beards and they talk about whether or not, you know, this would actually apply to them. I, I'm less interested in sort of like how they get there. Um, but, you know, to sort of see uh, that, that that this was something that existed even in the times of the Gemara was interesting to me. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us, and all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend e. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.